Hey everyone, and welcome to the I'll Take a Glass podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Preston. No matter what's in it, grab a glass. And And let's let's do do life together. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us again this week. Before we jump into the nitty gritty, we have a listener question. Um, The question is, why high school and would we ever change levels? As it relates to teaching. I, I guess. Both, maybe, is what she meant. So, for me, I chose the high school route because I kind of dabbled back and forth with did I want to teach and coach at the high school level or just coach at the college level. Um, I would kind of ruled off elementary and middle school from the beginning because it was a back and forth between what age and group I wanted to coach. Um, And so I kind of settled into high school for reasons that we will get into, I guess, as a part of the podcast today. But I'll explain more in detail later. But high school, uh, primarily from a coaching standpoint, just to coach athletes as they prepare for adulthood, post-secondary life, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, I would agree. I've done middle school. I've done college. I think high school is a sweet spot. (laughs) I've done elementary in camps, but every time I walk away, I'm like, man, I really love kids, but good Lord that I'm on sensory overload. That was a lot. So I think high school is where it is. Yeah. Um, Okay. So before you ask your question, I do want to share a review. This is from Grateful Parent. Um, the review says finding your purpose, exploring your passions and learning to say no are great pieces of advice. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I got a lot from your episode. Well, grateful parent. Thank you for leaving us a review. Thank you for leaving a five star review. (laughs) Grateful for that. Um, but we hope that this is helpful. And if you like the episodes that we've been putting out or the podcast, please leave a review. We'd love to see them. See how we could be better. Um, also, how you're, what you're loving about it. So, um, thank you again, grateful parent, for sharing that. Yeah, thank so, you very much. Okay, you have a fun question to fun ask. Fun question. So, the what fun you got? question: Would you rather? Oh Lord, have mercy! <laughs> I don't know why I put you in charge of would these. Would you rather? And see, you're at a benefit here because this is a spouse question, and your yours is both. But if you had to choose, would you rather? have a spouse that is funny or a spouse that is smart funny why because there's ai's and stuff now i don't need you to be smart i just want i just want you to be funny so i can laugh and have fun and i would love to like i'm okay with the fun and laughter that i get out of it being at the expense of you being smart like, I'm okay for you to not be very smart okay, at yeah. my expense. Well, I didn't feel very smart there because I had no idea what you were just saying. Basically, but... I'm saying if I had to pick, like, it's not about you, it's about me, and I'd rather take laughter than you uh, being okay. smart. Understandable. What would you prefer? I'd, I'd go the funny route just because I that's what I enjoy. Like, I enjoy humor. I enjoy laughing. I find pleasure, and that's fun to me. That's easy. No, but people have Google now. They don't have to be right. That's like I was going to say, we can figure things out like through resources. (laughs) I don't need you to have all the answers. Like I would rather spend time laughing than spend time asking you, you know, that's that's just my thought. I think this might be the first time we've agreed on this. That's not true. 
We agreed on the hot dog. Oh, oh yeah, we came to a conclusion. You're right. They're to a middle ground. Yeah. All right. We agreed on something else. Oh, well, that's few and far in between. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So today we're jumping into talking about our purpose um, because I think in the world today, this is uh, something that people kind of struggle with because a lot of us put our purpose into what we do or what other people say about us or say we're good at, we're not good at, things like that. And so I think mm -hmm. it's important to kind of dive into this. Not to say that we're purpose-finding experts, but I know I've gotten a lot of experience in this probably yeah. in the last five years. So, yeah. um, okay, let's hit on first you kind of talking about how you discovered your purpose in a sense. So for me, finding my purpose, um, I, for a long time, like part of my testimony, my story is my purpose and who I was was defined by what I did, which often was related to the success I had in that area. Mm -hmm. And so if I was good at something and then my purpose was being fulfilled, if I was struggling in an area where I identified my purpose, then my purpose was not being fulfilled and I struggled. Right. Um, I think as I transitioned a little more into adulthood. And again, part of my testimony is I think God used how I related my purpose to what I was doing. I think he used that uh, to kind of bring me to my knees in a sense and mm -hmm. say like, no, your purpose is found in me and who I say that you are and the value that I place in you. And that is what your focus should be. Um, and so often I found my purpose as a football player. I played football. I, I had times of success and then times where I wasn't successful. And so I think in those seasons where like throughout college, very injury riddled college mm -hmm. experience, even in high school, like my junior year, I had a season ending injury. And so I think it was in those moments where God was kind of regaining my attention uh, so that he could he could show me and teach me that mm -hmm. like, Hey, your purpose is in me, not in how good of a football player you think you are. Yeah, that's um, and so I think the biggest struggle was transitioning my mindset from identifying and defining myself by what I did into just allowing God to define me and finding my purpose there. Uh, and what God says about me. Um, mm -hmm. And he says that I am valuable. He says that um, he knows me intimately. He says that he has a plan for me. Um, and, and so many more truths that he speaks into my life. I think that that's where I'm able to now identify and find my purpose, which allows me to step into my calling or my career or my parenthood or my uh, being a husband, like so much more effectively. Am I great at any of those things? Uh, I mean, yes and no, but I have moments and I, and I don't, but I feel so much more filled in those areas because those areas don't define me. My purpose defines me. Yeah. I think that's good. I, here's what I think. I, revelation. Okay. I think that we, attach our calling we think calling and purpose are interchangeable and they're not 
to, to a certain extent. Like, I think a lot of us are like, well, I feel called to this certain profession or this area or this space, which is true. But I would go as far to say as we all have the same purpose in my, like, just based on scripture and things like that. Like, I think our purpose is to love God, love people, show people what it looks like to be, um, to have God in us. Like, I think that's everybody's purpose. And so sometimes I think we kind of get to this part where we're like, oh, we're supposed to define our purpose, but we're not like, I think that's defined by God. And so when we try to interchange those or what we do with our purpose, like that's when things get shaky. Right. So I would go as far to say that we would all probably, we all probably have the same purpose. Mm -hmm. The calling might be different in what that looks like. So, um, and I, I would even say too, your your injuries and all that like you were able to help walk a football player his senior year got a pretty bad injury and uh he was being recruited and you were able to walk him through that year because he couldn't play his senior season yeah and so i just think that's a cool way to see how god uses kind of the things that we feel like are failures or shortcomings Mm -hmm. as something that could that essentially could bless someone else yeah but um, I think he can't do that until we surrender to knowing that our purpose is in him and that our calling can be used to uh, walk with him. Does right. that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think our calling changes. Uh, I agree. I think, that, yeah. I think that depending on your season or stage of life, your calling is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like some people are... Like, for instance, I believe that a high schooler can be called to something in that season of life. Like, Mm -hmm. you are called to start or help sponsor FCA at your school. You are called to whatever it is, to go on, uh, to spend your summers, your four summers you get in high school on mission trips or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. you're called to those things. But, like... I'm almost 30 years old. I will never be a high schooler again. So I can't be called to something that a high schooler is called to yeah, per se. You know? mm-hmm. um, and so I think that our calling kind of changes depending on where God needs us and what his plan is for us. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that, specifically because I've experienced this. Yeah. Like I spent my entire life basically working to be a professional athlete, um, mm-hmm. going to go play overseas. I never wanted to play in the WNBA. It was all about playing overseas. Worked my whole life to do it. Got to my junior year, had a really good season. And as a matter of fact, was ahead, was going to graduate my junior year and go play overseas. Like already had two deals worked out. Tore my ACL and got hurt, decided to stay. And then ultimately got to this place where I felt like I did not need to go play overseas. Part of it was because of you, but not all of it. I Listen, it was a great choice. I, I hands down believe that. But um, so then moving from that aspect of it, um, and then I was a D1 player and then I dropped the division. Like I really struggled with my purpose in that because it's like I worked my whole life to be a yeah. D1 player. I got there, I made it. And then I made a choice to drop for multiple reasons. That's a whole nother story. Um, but I think I struggled most with my purpose probably in the last, uh, about COVID time, because I was in coaching and teaching, decided I didn't want to be a coach and teacher before I even started. And then I finally got into it and loved it. And then I got out of it when I was pregnant with our oldest, Mm -hmm. got into ministry for a few years and Mm -hmm. some things happened and then, uh, had to get out of it. And then for a year I stayed at home 
And yeah. I struggled, I think, the most in that because I was like, well, I feel like I'm not doing anything because mm-hmm. you were still coaching, you were teaching, and it just kind of felt like I was missing out, like, in a way. And then I got back into coaching and teaching. And then even in that time that I stayed at home, like, had a podcast before that did not work out. Um, but a lot of that was just, I was like super sick when I got pregnant with the middle one. Mm-hmm. And, um, then just really trying to figure out what God was calling me to. And I think some of that was jaded by what I wanted yeah. and not really sitting in that because I think I was trying to, I don't know. I think I was trying to find my purpose or create my purpose almost forgetting what it really was. And I think toward the end of me staying at home that year, I kind of started to see like, no, my purpose is valuable because I I was called to love God and love people. And the best way I can love people is loving on with every bit of me, the people that he, the little people he's given me to invest in, in the next generation to invest in them. And I think when I stopped like making it about me and making it about the people around me is when I started to be comfortable with my purpose. So I think that's kind of, and then understand my calling. And so it's easier for me to step into my calling whenever I make it about other people rather than about me. Like, I think that's probably the turning point for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's something too that we kind of struggle with as a society because it's, we've started to kind of make it all about us or like me, me, me. And the reality is like, we've got it. We need to be pointing other people or pointing toward Jesus. Does that make sense? And so when I stopped making it about me, I think I was much more comfortable in my purpose. And then I felt much more like I understood my calling better. Now, do you feel like, like as a part of your story, do you feel like God brought you there gradually? Or do you feel like there was a defining moment? Was there a quiet time? Was there a, I mean, absolutely chaotic night? of just craziness like was there a defining moment or do you feel like that was kind of gradual that god brought you to the place of like hey your purpose is this this is not what define like the things that you're defining yourself with or deeming yourself valuable from is not your purpose your purpose is to love me to love the people i've given you Mm -hmm. and then from there that's your foundation we will build it to loving all of the people around you you know, so yeah. what do you think to to that? I definitely think it was gradual, but mm-hmm. it's still something I have to remind myself of almost every day. So, yeah. like, I don't want people listening to this to be like, oh, that's all I have to do. Because it's like a daily reminder for me to wake up and say, what is my purpose? How do I love people in this? Yeah. No matter what I'm doing. Because it's hard. Like, yeah, even that purpose is challenging. Yes. I mean, it, like, there's a reason that there's a saying the people that need the most love often show it in the worst ways or are the hardest to love. Right. Right. And so the people that need that and require that in like really the place that we feel like we can be a light. Yeah. Man, I mean, there's like you light up darkness and sometimes darkness is is gross and it's ugly Uh and it's mean and it's cold. And so it's it's not an easy thing to do every day. Oh, it for sure not. And not for me, because you know me. Like, I'm like, man, I'm going I'm to check you if I have to. And I have to really ring back from that, because I'm like a, I don't know. I just was, you know, I was raised to be independent and like, oh, let yeah, me just give absolutely. it to you. And so it has been a complete shift in my personality and almost what I deem to be important, because I'm like, dude, is it more important to prove a point and to like 
let this person know like I'm the alpha <laughs> or right. is it more no, important no. to love on this person? That's well, so, hard. So let's talk about that. And I think you bring up a good point. Um, and so like you talked about the way that you were raised yeah. and you were raised by very strong women, mm-hmm. very independent women. I mm-hmm. mean, that is throughout your family. Like you were raised by working women who get the job done. They work incredibly hard. Um, and so, and even my my dad is right, like right. a blue I'm collar. Saying, I'm just like, saying in, in terms of like you being a woman a female, raised yeah. by independent, yeah. strong working women um, was like how big of a challenge was that uh, in the year that you spent at home? Mm-hmm. Um, how big of a challenge has that been uh, in terms of our partnership, our relationship and trying to be as scripturally based and truth based as possible and being able to i know this is the scary word in marriage for women but submit to your husband um and so <laughs> you know i hated that word i know at the beginning. so that's why like that's why i'm asking um and everybody says that like i know that that's the real popular like oh wives submit to your husbands and we love throwing that out there as guys yeah. but the only way submission is possible is if we love you as my wife. If I love you as my wife, like Jesus loved the church. Right. And so we forget that part. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a second, too, because I know that I've given you seasons where that's difficult to be submissive because I haven't loved you to the best of my ability. But I just want to kind of dive into like you being raised the way that you were raised uh, as a strong, independent woman who like you can do it like. In yeah. a sense, you don't need no man, you know, like, yeah. really. And so, like, what are some of the challenges you've experienced? How have you navigated those waters? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there? Um, I felt like I I wasn't doing anything significant when I stayed at home. Yeah. Because I was raised in an environment where they had to work and they worked hard. And I knew that the year that I stayed home, I was dependent on you fully had to be financially financially yeah. yes i had to financially be dependent on you and like in the way that i grew up that's not an option like you you and on top of that i had two mat i have two master's degrees and at the time i had two master's degrees so i'm like i have two masters and i'm just sitting at home like it, it was very hard for yeah. me to, but i think the biggest the most difficult part was because i knew i had to fully lean on you and then part of me also felt like maybe like I was worried that you felt like I wasn't contributing to the house or contributing to our family because I wasn't doing it financially and so I really really struggled with that and so then I struggled with my purpose right um but I'm like looking back on it I'm extremely grateful for that time because one I was at home at a time where I had a really bad pregnancy like I couldn't get out of bed most days but also got time to just spend with Blakeland. I got six months with Leyland because I only got eight months with or eight weeks with Ace. So like just looking back on that time, it was a sweet time, but I also think it was a time that God was working on my heart because I had to deal with some like the podcast failure and all right. that. Like I really had to pro I had to sit at home and process that right. for a year. And so that's really hard when you're sitting at home by yourself. Yeah. Um being a stay at home mom is a whole nother level. Like People don't fully understand what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom, and I only did it for a year. Yeah. But it, it's taxing, and so you Absolutely. you add all of that, and you really you're kind of stuck with processing. Yeah. But I think 
it was a gradual moment for me where God was working on my heart. And like I said, he still is. Um, I think it's every day me choosing, like ultimately it was where God pushed me to say and know, Hey, you got to make a choice. Yeah. You got to make a choice today to rest in me, rest in the purpose that I've called you to, mm-hmm. and to utilize the calling that I've given you to magnify your purpose. Yeah. And so, um, I, like I said, I think it was gradual. Um, I would say, Probably the best part of that was I was forced to stop and think about it because I'm yeah. like, let me fill my schedule. I can handle multiple things at one time. Um, but I think really what the the worst part of it was, was just really thinking about what everybody else was thinking about me. Like, what does my family think about me? Because right. they probably think I'm not doing anything. What does my husband think about me? Because he might think I'm not doing anything, even though you never expressed that to me. Um, and I don't believe that's what you thought, but that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. And so it was really to me going, I've got to stop making me, making this about me. And I've got to stop making this about what everybody else thinks about me and start making it about Jesus. Yeah. And once I did that, I think I was, and that sounds like a stereotypical answer. Like that, that's really what it is. Like I had to stop making it about me. And I also made it about people like other people, like our kids. That's who I made it, had to make it about. So it sounds like pretty similar to how I described with my testimony where God would use those times where, I mean, you're injured, you can't do anything. Right. Like I found I was defined by my workouts. I was defined by my play on the field. Right. And when you're injured. Big, big muscular arms, babe. Yeah. Thanks, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, whenever you're injured, like you obviously can't do any of that. And so in the same way that God used that change of pace in my life during those seasons to kind of redirect and refocus uh, me in my purpose, it sounds like that's what that year was for you. It was this massive refocus Mm -hmm. alignment where like suddenly it started to become more clear, but it was gradual. Um, And so if I, if I'm hearing you and understanding you correct, it would almost like, it's almost like you're saying to walk in your purpose is to choose intentionality every day. Exactly. Like there has to be a dedication, a discipline and an intentionality Mm -hmm. every single day to walk in your purpose and to take that a step further. It sounds like though, that what, walking in your purpose requires of you is so much more rewarding than doing it your own way yeah. uh, and walking outside of your purpose mm-hmm. because that's what you want right. to do. Yes. And I think having someone too, who can remind you because there are days where I like, I try, but I can't get out of that yeah. headspace. And so you, ha- you kind of go, Hey, like, remember what, what we're here for. Um, I think there's a reason I was, I got back into coaching and teaching. Like, I think I never should have left. And I yeah. think I was trying to force my fear. So I was operating out of fear that, um, because of my experience that I would never see our kids and they wouldn't know who I was and I would never be around. Like I was operating because out of, of your that experience as a coach's kid. Right. Yeah. But that's, she was a single mom too. Right. So like that, that's a different experience. So to put context, you grew up in a house where, you were raised essentially by a single mom who coached and uh, taught. Mm-hmm. And so very in, like I said, worked very, very hard. And so yeah. you found yourself frequently missing time with her. Right. And so uh, operating out of that fear of, 
I don't want to mother my children in a way where they don't know who I am because I'm never around. And that's what this profession requires of me. Right. But even that's like it. just knowing, too, because my dad is a coaching teacher. Right. So even knowing how, like the requirement from him just in football, because I knew you were in football, like obviously I knew you were in football. Right. And so kind of understanding that, too, I was like, man, I just don't know if I want our kids to not see either of us. Yeah. And I think... I had the wrong mindset. Like when, once I kind of, again, God gave me that year to refocus. I think once I was like, I was like, okay, I can be a working, a successful working mom. Like I can, I can work with you in this partnership to still be there for our kids, but that might look different than when I was at home. So it's ultimately about when I'm home, I've got to be intentional and I've just got to be yeah. home yeah. instead of when I'm home, I'm working. So I've tried to be very diligent about, okay, I don't watch film until they go to sleep or something like that. I put my phone in a different room. Like I've tried to do that, things like that. Um, and knowing that there's a way to make it work and it doesn't make me a bad mom. It just shows our kids that, that I can still walk out what I felt like my calling was mm -hmm. and still be successful in that. And most, most importantly, show our girls that. Right. And so it really took that year of God going, okay, I never called, I don't think he called me out of it. I think I was forcing myself out of it. And he's yeah. like, okay, I'm asking you to step back into it. Now, are you going to trust me and know that I've called you to this and you can still fulfill your purpose in both areas? Um, and so I think I think that's kind of where he he worked on my heart, which is why I got back into it. And yeah. now, I mean, Blakeland goes with me all the time and loves it. Right. So and then she goes with you. Like, I, I do remember right. going up as a kid a few times. So but even even when so even though you look back and think I never should have left coaching and teaching. Mm hmm. You still look back on those years where you had a couple years in ministry, a year at home where you look at those years as like a transitional period for your mind and heart to say, first off, I am allowed to pursue my passions and my dreams mm -hmm. as a mother and as a wife. That does not have to, I do not have to put those things on a back burner. Yes. I can also pursue those things while walking in my purpose. Mm -hmm. And that is all God ordained and what God wants for my life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what those like you look back on that and yeah you you feel like i never should have left but because i left god was able to use those years as a transitional yeah. part for my heart mind and soul to now walk into my calling so much more purpose filled yes every day I, yeah i think god still used it yeah i think i i don't know that i fully sought him out like i thought i did i think he still used those years i don't think it was a waste like right. i don't think god allowed those years to be a waste i think Which, he allowed me to have more empathy for stay-at-home moms yeah. because that's a whole nother level yeah. um because my sister has been a stay-at-home mom for a long time i could not empathize with her i was like i just don't understand it and oh my goodness did he go listen we all are called to something different and yeah. man did i after that i was like man i have so much more respect for her because this is hard yeah and so i don't know and and it all kind of goes back to that whole submission thing because i knew that year two i honestly think god used that to not only reshape my mind and my calling he used it to reshape my mind in terms of my mental health because i got a lot of help during that time yeah. and it freed up space for me to get the help that i needed and i also think he used that for me to understand what marriage truly is supposed to look like more than I did because yep. 
where I was making more money at first. It's like, now I'm not making any. You're making more money than me. Like, it was like a whole thing. And um, I think that whole submission thing, like, like I remember hearing, as a matter of fact, a few sermons on submission within that year. And I think it was kind of like, a man, maybe I've had this wrong all right. along. Like, when you're in a healthy relationship, I think God just kind of opened my eyes to, to show me that submission doesn't mean obedience to you. It just means submitting to the leadership that he has placed over you and almost the protection. Mm -hmm. And that's something that God has instilled in you. Like that is the role that he placed in you and to love our family and, and to lead us in that way. And I think I wasn't doing our family justice for as long as I was fighting that because my purpose that he gave me in this family looked looks different than yours, right? which is okay. So I think when we stop seeing submission as obedience, because really I'm just this compliant obedience, right? Like this yes man mentality, right? Like, which isn't the case to agree and comply. Yeah. It's not at all. Yeah. So like when I, how would you say in that year, it kind of, I'm really not just in that year, but in supporting me through all that. Cause there's a level to this where you had, there were a lot of times where I don't, I feel like you were hesitant, but you're like, I'm going to support you, whatever that looks like for you. Because did, did how, did me struggling with my purpose and all that affect what you felt like your purpose was or me even to the point where I was like, I can't, I'm not going to submit. Submission is not a thing. Like yeah. I can't do it. Did that, did you struggle with your purpose because of that too? Uh, well, let me, I guess, let me say this, like I'm built different and I get that uh, I'm a dog. So um, I'm saying that to say like it has been, and this isn't for the sake of the podcast. Like I tell you this all the time, like it's not just cause we have a microphone on, but I think one of the easiest things that I've done in my life is be the biggest fan of you yeah. ever. And so that started from really the day we met mm -hmm. um and like i have so enjoyed supporting you and cheering for you um and so from the times that it was basketball games and watching y'all play and i would travel when y'all would travel at times if it was relatively close um like i wasn't gonna go from belton texas to arkansas because that's way out there or to soul ross <laughs> yeah so i definitely wasn't going out to soul ross no offense to to y'all but sheesh alpine texas um but i like i've it's been very easy since since the moment i've met you to be a big fan of you so when you've come to me saying like hey i i want to pursue this or i feel like i'm being called to this or this is a goal that i have or a dream that i have that like it's it's very very easy for me to like throw caution to the wind. Let's go. Like you do that. Like How whatever though? it is. How's it so easy? Because there's people listening to this who like their spouse might be struggling with it. It's not as easy because, because it affected our family. Right. I, I think in the same way that you talked about earlier, because from day one, I chose that I was going to be your number one fan and your number one mm -hmm. supporter. Yeah. That's um, good. and so, I mean, now we are almost, I'm almost a uh, 10 years into knowing you. Um, and so being that, like, I mean, it all goes down to like the habits that you build and create. And so everything you do, you're creating a good habit or a bad habit. Mm -hmm. And so I can see that in this example here, like from day one, I decided and chose to be your number one fan. 
And that's with me. Like, I don't know that before I met you, I had ever watched a full women's basketball game from start to finish. And so it's not like I was just this avid, <laughs> like basketball goer. And like, I just, like, I just decided, you know what, like, this is where she is, what she's doing. And I'm going to be the biggest fan I can be of that. I would argue with people in the stands. I would yell at opposing fans. I would cheer for you, all of that. Like, from that's day one. all absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, from day one. And so, like that took some getting used to because mm -hmm. like I said, like I didn't like, I, I just like my sister played volleyball in, in high school. And so like, even then, like I wasn't watching girls basketball being played. I mean, I was just doing other stuff. I mean, so I like that took some getting used to, but it's so easy now to be your number one fan and to encourage you and push you to whatever it is that you're feel like you're dreaming or being called to or you're passionate about because I've been doing that all along. Yeah. And I made the decision and, and I walked in intentionality with that from day one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I really hope this doesn't come across like I'm tooting my own horn or like, go me, I've done this thing right. Because I think there's been several times that I've fallen short, but um, in, in our marriage, but uh, I, like from in terms of being your biggest fan, like I feel like that's been pretty consistent. That's good. From day one. And so um, I think that that's why it's easy today is because I've done it for so long. And at the beginning, I woke up every day deciding that I'm going to yeah. be your biggest fan. I'm going to be your biggest fan. And so and and I say that to say I'm not your biggest fan of what you do. I'm the biggest Taylor Rambo fan on the planet. Not Taylor mm -hmm. Rambo, the coach, not Taylor Rambo, the collegiate athlete, not Taylor Rambo, the podcast host, not Taylor Rambo, the author. Like, I'm just a fan of Tay, yeah. you know? And so now it's really easy that regard, like whether you're coaching and teaching, whether you're at home with our kids, whether you are in ministry, it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. I'm a fan of you. And so you don't have to do. And, and I hope so, like in the same way I just I referenced earlier, Jesus loving the church. I hope that it comes across that way to you, uh, just in the sense that, like, I because I'm your biggest fan, and I don't require, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't ask these things of you, like, I don't want you to go do, like, I'm not, I don't say you have to coach and teach, or I'm a right. fan of you when you play basketball or whatever, that, like, it feels like an authentic, genuine, complete yeah. love, you know, and and again, I think, and being able to show you that hopefully helped in that those transitional years for you yeah no absolutely and ultimately you've you've essentially you're doing what again we've defined as our purpose like yeah. you're loving me and you're trying to do it well yeah and so you didn't make it about you which i have with your career before like i've gotten a lot better at it in the last several years absolutely. um and trying to understand that but th honestly that was the same year like that, that within that year that I was staying at home, it was one, it was still the same thing. Like God really working on my heart to go, you've got to understand that I'm calling you wherever you are, whatever, whatever I've called you to right now to love on people and to love on the people I've specifically, yeah. I don't want to say assigned, but given to you. So in our kids and then in you, and it was within that year that I kind of started really a little bit before that, where I started to be able to understand that my job was to love you in in all areas and to try to be as supportive as i could yeah 
Um, okay, we'll wrap this up. But the last last thing I kind of want to hit on is, like I mentioned earlier, like when I was struggling with the whole submission thing and all of that, did that have any effect on your purpose? Or are you kind of like, like, because you, you were very understanding. <laughs> yeah. But that's hard to do. Um, well, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, I mean, really, like I knew that, I knew that, like you had a very strong level of independence to you. Um, and I know your story. And yeah. so in knowing that I knew that ultimately I know, I know the precursor to that verse. And that's mm-hmm. why I said that earlier. Like, I know that to look at you and say, submit to me was not going to be possible unless I loved you mm-hmm. relentlessly, passionately, completely, I mean, just on fire for you. And so I think that it took some of those years for you to fully believe like, oh, maybe he does love me for me. Like yeah. maybe he doesn't love me because I've been, I'm, I'm a good performer on the court. Mm-hmm. I'm a good, like I, 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 I can yell and blow a whistle well on the basketball court as a coach, right? Like maybe he doesn't love me because I do and accomplish things. Maybe he just loves me because he loves me, Yeah, you know? And so I think that that was an opportunity for me to fully express that. And I don't, I didn't find it difficult because again, like every time that there would be a challenge or this tension or this friction between us of like submit, not submit, submit, not submit, mm-hmm. maintain my independence, allow myself to be a little dependent. Like every time there was that tension was an opportunity to remind myself like, Hey, what's the precursor? Like, I need to love her better. That's good. Continue to love her better. And so it doesn't work. Like we talked about in church, like last week, that there is a divine order to the Bible. Like we can't mix and match and take pieces and apply it to other. Like it's, it is, it is God breathed and God ordained in the order that it is written. And so if I don't love you the way Jesus loves the church, Mm -hmm. you are not going to be able to submit to me. Yeah. And so anytime there was that tension was an opportunity for me to then evaluate myself and have a self-reflection time of, well, how can I love her better? What are ways I can be more intentional? Because there were there are areas that I feel like I've always loved you well in. Like, I feel like I just said, I've, I've always been a huge fan of you. Mm-hmm. Right. But I haven't always I haven't always been very intentional in filling your love tank with quality time. Like sometimes I've been too wrapped up in my phone or too wrapped up in whatever. And there's been this void in experiencing quality time with me. Mm -hmm. And so there are always ways that I feel like I can love you better. And if I only focus on the things that I do well and don't evaluate the areas that I need to improve, well, then I'm going to just frustrate myself because all I'm looking at is, well, I do this, I do this, I do this, I Mm -hmm. run through a checklist I don't want to love you through a checklist. Yeah. I want to love you completely. And so I to me, has it been hard? Yes and no. No, because I know what comes first. Yes, mm-hmm. because then I'm realizing like, all right, well, there's areas of love that I need to be better at. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And to all the independent ladies listening, submission is not obedience, but... Also, obedience is not partnership, and God calls us to be a partnership, too. And so I think once we kind of dive more into that, we can understand that we each serve a purpose in this marriage, in your marriage relationship, 
and the roles that we have to fill in yeah. regard to that, what we're called, how yeah. we're called to fill those roles. So I think that's important to really yeah. consider. I mean, it's no different than like, I have an opportunity and by the time this comes out, it'll like, it'll already be over with, but I have an opportunity to officiate one of my really good friends' weddings. Mm-hmm. Well, in officiating that, like you're doing your study and I'm looking at the scripture where man is supposed to leave his house and join with his wife and they become one flesh. Mm-hmm. And so when you view it through the lens of like our marriage, we are one, we are one flesh. Yeah. Like submission now works both ways. Mm. Um, loving you the way that God loves the church works both ways. Mm. Like I submit to you in ways you submit to me in ways we love each other mm-hmm. in those ways. Um, and so because we are one flesh, right? Mm-hmm. We are one. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's real good. Okay. So ultimately, um, I think, I hope this helps listeners kind of, if you're struggling with this, we hope that you got something out of it. Um, and we hope that you remember that your purpose is to love God and love people. And from there you could do that no matter what your calling is and you bring value to this world. Um, I think God's very intentional about how he designs us and creates us. And for the longer we fight that, then the more we're, uh, then the more we feel less filled in a sense. But all right, we hope you have a great week. We hope this was helpful and we will see you again next week. Peace. That's it for our show today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and share this episode with a friend. Tune in next week for more fun and connection. In the meantime, don't forget to visit our website, view our blog, and connect with us on social media throughout the week. Don't forget to fill your glass this week. Share this episode with a friend and invite them to have a glass with us. We can't wait to hang out with you again. This episode is brought to you by Rambo Media. Thanks for tuning in.